News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show, hour number two. Thanks again to Larry Shaheen for joining me in hour number one. Breaking down the Charlotte City Council election. We're going to continue on some of the numbers here because some of the issues that I was asking him about kind of want to flesh out a little bit more. Um, so, uh, oh, and 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are the phone numbers. Uh, and you can also email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. So, uh, first off, very low turnout in the Charlotte City Council election yesterday. Only about 12% uh, voted. 72,497. So just under 73K voted out of 604,000 registered voters. And uh, that means that uh, that's lower than the primary election. But it also tells me that Republicans did not show up and vote for whatever reason. Now, I don't know if it would have been enough to clear uh, this, you know, this gap between the Democrats and the Republicans at large. The lowest votainer among Democrats was James Mitchell at 42,000. And the highest votainer coming in fifth place was Kyle Lupke, Republican, and he was at 28.5. So, what, 20,000, or no, uh, sorry, 13,000 vote difference, roughly? Had Republicans shown up and voted, could they have put Kyle and David Merrill and Carrie Olinsky and Charlie Mulligan, could they have helped them take one of the spots, maybe two of the spots? I don't know. I don't know. Um, What the results tell me is that voters are overwhelmingly satisfied that this is the city they want to live in, as it is. They're still on the, you know, the the, the great march forward towards progress, however ill-defined that might be. But whatever it is, it's based on race and gender. That's not sex, except when it needs to be. Erosion of law and order. They're okay with it. Although I heard what the mayor last night suggesting something like, oh, I guess we do need to kind of, you know, we need to focus on on crime and public safety. Oh, okay. Welcome to the party, pal. Um, I'm glad that you guys are now, you know, going to focus on that, going to get right on it. Are you aware that you've got two people now on council that, that have made some pretty disparaging comments about cops. And one of them was over like Braxton Winston, like Rose, his claim to fame was like he posed topless in the street during the protests over the Keith Lamont Scott shooting, right? That, that That's the thing that did it for him. Keith Lamont Scott, the guy who pulled out the gun on video is shown not listening to police officers, his wife yelling at the cops, creating chaos in the, in the process Cops telling him to drop the gun, drop the gun. He refuses to, and then he goes and lifts it, and another police officer, a black man, by the way, shoots him. And for that, we get the marches through the streets, and we get a council candidate, and then a councilman, and then almost a mayor, and he very well might still be mayor pro tem. Who knows? I I have no insight into the machinations of the Democrat Party and what's going on in the uh, behind the scenes trying to maneuver to get somebody into the mayor pro tem seat. Uh, I've, I've never really, I mean, the mayor pro tem, I, I've never really understood the, the juice of that office. Like you get to cut the ribbon when the mayor's out sick. Okay. 
you get to run the meetings when the mayor has to recuse herself or the mayor's out sick. Okay. Maybe you go on some other junkets, maybe? Is that the deal? Like, if the mayor can't go on a junket, you go in the mayor's place. Maybe that's the benefit. I I don't know. But this is what voters asked for. This is what the Charlotte electorate wants. And I find myself now inexorably drawn to the conclusion that I made when I was in Asheville. And I told people in in Asheville when they were presented with the same scenario, which is if you are a limited government proponent, you are not going to have representation. Your voice will not be heard in local government, despite the fact that the local government and the city itself was built on the principles of limited government. The people that were advocating these positions for years and years, decades before, right, they laid the groundwork. This, you know, this moderation, let's not go whole, uh, whole hog, go crazy towards all this, you know, profligate spending. Well, except in the case of Asheville. That's not a good example because they did go bankrupt. They did. They went bankrupt in the Great Depression. The mayor killed himself over it. Um, and uh, and then they owed the state lots and lots and lots of money. And they finally paid off the debt like in the 80s. And that's why Asheville's architecture, it's, it's like frozen in time. That's why they've been stunted. That and the Sullivan Acts, which prevented their uh, uh, them uh, expanding their water and using it in, uh, to capture uh, people's property and, and charge different water rates. If you lived outside city limits, they wanted uh, they tried to use water as a weapon up there in the mountains. And anyway, uh, and a state lawmaker, a Democrat, by the way, did the Sullivan Acts. His name was Sullivan, and prevented them from doing that. Anyway, that's what stunted Asheville's growth, and it's why they have a lot of the old buildings that they still have today that attracts people too. Whereas Charlotte did not have those. Uh, restrictions, and they, you know, tore down everything and 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 annexed everything around them, and just got bigger and bigger and bigger. But I don't know why anybody of a limited government or a moderate mindset would ever try to help build a city. Why bother? Unless you're just there, you're going to make some money, and then you're going to retire out, and you're going to leave. Maybe that's the natural course of things, right? You build the city, you make it attractive. Right. You work with people who are more. I, mean, I remember reading this a long time ago that, you know, America needs the left wing and the right wing in order to fly straight. The eagle, the American eagle needs the left wing and the right wing in order to fly straight. And I get that idea of balance. Right. I get the idea of sometimes you need to turn this way and that way. I, I understand the concept, but. I also wonder. Do, you know, do I not ever get to live in an urban environment ever again? Um because every urban environment will guarantee that I have no say in my local government. Is that, and that's what's being promised to me, to a limited government person. Could you imagine if that were being promised to anyone else of a different political persuasion, right? But this is also a problem for Democrats in that they cluster themselves in these urban areas. And you can't pin any of, this, any of the failures now on the city of Charlotte. You can't pin them on Republicans. This is not the Republicans' fault. As much as they want to try, just like they tried in Nashville, they tried to blame the legislature for all their local problems. The legislature is not the reason why you haven't replaced a sidewalk. They're just not. You know, your sidewalk budget, you haven't funded. And so now, you know, and I used to joke about the fat tourists coming to Asheville and jumping up and down on their sidewalks and breaking all their sidewalks, even though a sidewalk has a lifespan of 80 years. You know, that's poor planning. Your core services. And this is also why I advocated up there and I advocate here now Get rid of these at-large races. The at-large seats, to me, they're vestiges of the past of racist intent. 
You really don't need them. Also, uh, bodies of government that are districts tend to be more responsive to the local constituency and their concerns. If I, if you got at-large seats, everybody can ignore, and this was the problem in Asheville, they have no districts, um, and so you could ignore, like if I'm sending an email to all of the city council members, every one of them can ignore me because they all think someone else is going to do it. Right? Classic liberalism, right? It's a, it, they all think someone else will get to it, and so I don't get a response. It's too hard. And some council members end up pulling the load for everybody else. Whereas if you're a district rep, you're going to focus on that, on that constituent's problem because that's a voter for you. And if we had all districts, I don't know, maybe we could have more voters that are not disenfranchised. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so uh, voters uh, overwhelmingly said yesterday in Charlotte that this is the city that they want. I mean, yes, there may be some problems, uh, you know, no affordable housing, gentrification, homeless camps, defecation on public sidewalks, lack of economic mobility, the erosion of law and order, rising crime, mass transit system, like collapsing under mismanagement. But overall, uh, yeah, this is A-OK. And by the way, not just all of the Democrats, like 46,000 or so who voted, Yesterday, 46,000 Democrats or so, but also the, uh, the like 25, 30,000 Republicans, too. Yeah. Or no, actually, it was all the Republicans who didn't vote. That's they obviously are OK with it, too. They didn't vote. They were not compelled enough. And here's the problem is that by the time they realize that, oh, this is a problem. Oh, I really should pay attention or moderate Blue dog Democrats, if such a thing even exists, by the time they realize it, too late. Alligators done at everyone. You keep feeding the alligator in the hopes that it eats you last. Eventually it will. Eventually it will. I've been saying this about Charlotte for years. The chamber, whatever happened to that, I don't even know. What do they call themselves now? They got a whole new name, different people over there. Are they even a player anymore? Because it used to be, the joke used to be, right, three major parties in town, the Republicans, the Democrats, and the chamber, and the chamber's the strongest. You cannot, this is, and this goes to the discussion we were having, with, I was having with Larry in the last hour, which was you, you can no longer divorce the Democratic Party from that far left base they're the ones they're the ones who put people in office and because for years republicans didn't even field candidates for at large races they didn't have one for sheriff this year so no i mean what yeah i mean it's expensive it's expensive to run candidates in urban areas and you're probably not going to win but you got to start someplace which is why i'm a big fan of what the Republican Party has been doing, setting up these little offices, trying to do community outreach. That stuff matters. It's, it, it's intensive. It takes money and it takes, you know, volunteers and people to do the work. The disenfranchised in Charlotte and in Mecklenburg County at large, they re- it really is becoming the, I mean, I don't even want to call them Republican voters because so many of them are now unaffiliated, but these are people with more of a limited government view. And when you crunch the numbers... Just by voter registration, you've got roughly 40 to 45 percent, depending if you're looking at the city or the county. It's about 40 to 45 percent registered Democrat. And about 20 percent registered Republican. 
and then the rest are unaffiliated. So somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, a third. Okay, so 36% are unaffiliated. So you cut that in half because generally speaking, unaffiliateds break about even. Give or take, you know, the candidates matter and election cycles matter and all that. But roughly speaking, the unaffiliateds will break half and half. So let's give half to each group, half to the Dems, half to the Republicans. And and what do you end up with? You end up with somewhere in the neighborhood of about 60 percent of the seats should be for Democrats and about 38 to 40 percent for Republicans. That's rough math. Well, on a council of 11 seats, that means Democrats should get seven and Republicans should get four. This is the logic that Democrats used. This is their standard. This is what they said made for fair maps, fair representation, non-disenfranchisement. This was their argument literally in courtrooms over state gerrymandered maps. So I'm applying that standard to Charlotte City Council and to the Mecklenburg County Commission. And it's even worse over on County Commission. There's not even a Republican on the board. Zero. Not a single one. So tell me, who, who's the disenfranchised? Who gets to keep paying into the system and never get a voice at the table? Not even a single voice. Not, e- not even a token voice where, like, you can't even stop a vote from happening. You can't affect change. You can't run policy. You can't do anything. But at least you get to sit at the table. And at least you get to go into the closed sessions and find out what they're working on. But that's it. You don't even get that. Even though you make up at least a third, maybe even 40%. Anywhere from 35 to 40% are Republican or limited government, conservative leaning voters. One out of three, at least. And maybe one out of five. So why are you continuing this at-large system? You, the defenders of democracy, why, why would you do this? Why would you, you, the, you know, the defenders of the downtrodden, you know, the, the opponents of disenfranchisement. Why would you continue to do that? Is it because it's a different standard when you get the power? Is that the idea here? Now, I am going to be watching to see as the, uh, the transit system kind of goes off the rails. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch, uh, as well as the fact that we're losing population. Oh, yeah, that's happening, too. We'll get into that in a minute. I believe this is Tony Messia over at the Charlotte Ledger writing this the other day, two days ago. Uh, More people leaving Mecklenburg than moving here. Huh? What? Yeah, I was surprised as you. The number of people moving out of Mecklenburg County exceeds the number of people moving in. Does that seem weird? It does because we grew. How does how is that possible? Ah, all them birthing people. Yeah, births. That's the reason the county grew in population was births. But if you take births out and just look at migration, we lost more people. That's a problem. Messiah writes at the Charlotte Ledger, that's a notion that seems counterintuitive and challenges the story that Charlotte likes to tell itself, that we're a desirable hub of prosperity and an attractive magnet for newcomers. 
Mecklenburg has a population of 1.1 million. It's still growing, according to census figures, but that's because the number of births here is outpacing the number of deaths. Census estimates released earlier this year show that in the 12 months ending July the 1st, 2021, the number of people leaving Mecklenburg for other places exceeded those coming here by about 4,300 residents. Those, the number leaving for other places exceeded those coming by 4,300 people. In addition, for the last several years, more people have filled out-of-mail change-of-address cards, or I guess that should be filed, to leave Charlotte than to come here. That's been happening for several years now. The Charlotte zip code with the greatest net exodus? East Charlotte, 28212. The one with the greatest gain? Steel Creek, 28278. Ironically, I've lived in both of them, (laughs) both of those zip codes. Uh, I moved into 28212, then I moved out, and then I moved into 28278, and then I moved out. So I'm kind of a net zero on, uh, well, a great many things probably in, in life. Anyway... The Charlotte Regional Business Alliance. Oh, is that what the chamber's called now? The Charlotte Regional Business Alliance. I think that's what the chamber is. They say Charlotte is the seventh fastest growing metro region in the country. Ooh, that sounds impressive. Doesn't that fly in the face of what you just run over, Pete? Not really. Here's why. They say, yes, 84 people... Move here every day based on the 2021 census estimates. Others say it's somewhere around 120 every day. See, but that's from people moving to the metro region. You know what the metro region includes? Not Charlotte. Uh Uh-huh. York County. Picked up 4,700, Union County, 4,400, Iredell, 4,300, Cabarrus, 4,200. It's all in suburban growth. It's, it's the surrounding counties that are enjoying all of the growth, and that's driving up the Charlotte regional numbers. You guys, the writing's on the wall here. You could see it coming, right? You see it coming. The, the days of... A District 6 Republican and a, even a District 7 Republican on Charlotte City Council, they are numbered. I don't know what the number is, but they are, they are numbered. And then it becomes a full-on you know, leftist utopia. So you get more of the homelessness, more of the diversity and inclusion initiatives, more of the equity speeches, uh, you know, higher taxes, more people moving out, fewer cops, higher crime. Just look around. Right, The cities that were built through coalitions, this is what Larry talked about, building coalitions, that's how you get stuff done, and that's how things were done. That was the Charlotte way. I remember hearing that, that phrase 20 years ago. That was the Charlotte way. I mean, it was also used in derogatory fashion as well, like to cover up, you know. Our, uh, what, what is it, uh, the former county commissioner, Bill James, he used to call it dysfunctional civility. Dysfunctional civility. That we wouldn't have the arguments, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have the fights. And he was a Republican. He was very much a bomb thrower type of a conservative Republican. And he was looking for the fights. And people didn't want him to fight. Yeah, it's icky. Oh, there's Bill James talking about his social issues again and all that. This was the same treatment. You know, it's kind of funny. 
I see now uh, these videos of people at school board meetings around the country. You know what they're doing? Uh, they're complaining about the, the, the books that are on the shelves in the libraries at the public schools. Now, anybody in Charlotte, Mecklenburg, that's been here since, you know, late 90s, you would, you would recognize this argument. Martin Davis. Remember that guy's name? Martin Davis? Not the guy who yelled about the helicopters that George Shin was flying, circling his house. No, the, Martin Davis was the, the dirty book reader guy. He would go. He would go to the public library. Public. He would go to the school libraries, and he would find these books on the shelves that were porn, basically. I mean, you know, written form. There was the letter section in Playboy and Hustler. So I've heard. And you would have the uh, the the public speaker period of the meetings, and he would come on down, and he would say, "Hey, I found this book." You guys are the county commission. He did this at the county, never at the city, I should say. He would go down to the county commission because they were in charge of the public libraries, but also the CMS. And he'd say, like, these books are on the shelves in the schools. These books are on the shelves in the libraries. This is the name of the book. It details these types of acts. Will you move to take these books off the shelves? Do you approve of these books being on the shelves? And if you, you, know, if you refuse to answer, I'm going to start reading them. And, of course, they would refuse to answer because they have this little rule at the city and county and schools. They're like, you know, we're not to engage with the public on anything. No, God forbid you have a debate. No, they, they don't want debate. They're like, we're just here to listen. And then they sit there and they know that your clock is going to run out at two or three minutes. And then they shuffle you off the stage and then they're done. They don't have to listen to you anymore. That's how that works. So uh, they don't want to hear. They don't want to engage. And so they're like, we're not here to engage in a debate with you. This is just your time to address the council or the commission, whatever. And so Martin Davis would then proceed to read passages, which were really, really dirty, nasty stuff. And these were on the shelves where kids could read the books. And he was expelled. They, they had to remove him by force. They had Chuck, the cop, they had to drag him out of the meeting, which, of course, was not legal. We found out later on. So then they had to give a disclaimer. They literally had to disclaimer to warn parents and children that may be watching the government channel. Like, yeah, that's happening. But parents and children watching the government channel, watching this meeting at home, be warned, you're about to hear objectionable material. Hey, Parks Helms, if it's so objectionable, why are you letting kids see it on the shelves? Right? That's the whole point. 20 years later, same thing's happening all over the country. We're seeing the same things occurring all over the country now. Why do you think it's not going to happen here? By the time you wake up and realize it's going to be too late, the alligator needs to eat. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. It's the Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete. Pete at the and uh, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. All righty, let me go over here. I'll get Daryl on. Hello, Daryl. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I have my 91st birthday, so I think... Oh, I'll, happy birthday. Thanks for letting me know. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I have lived here in Charlotte for 70 years, and... Uh, I sent my son through school here in 70 years. 
his after he was born, and then uh, the political situation has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. I came to work here a couple years after I got married, and and uh, I got a job with the company. The first month I was here, they said they want you to work at the poles. So I got a early start on it, and then it was we were counting <laughs> paper ballots, mm-hmm. and everybody was seemed to be voting, but uh, the people who had the uh, line in being in power then, we had a lot of people that owned major businesses here that uh, had a lot of pull in getting their people elected, and that's that can't continue for a long time. Right. And, yeah. Uh, it it started. It, it, the inner city is usually used by the minorities, and and the the people go around the fringes, and that's it. I'm living on the fringes now that I moved from downtown many years ago, and we haven't elected anybody to to power here. My son has been a politician, or he has been a uh, in government, and he is today, and he's ready to retire. He's after forty years as county manager or on the city manager, and and politics is is in our five major cities in North Carolina. Well, politics is in every city. It's on every board. It's on every. It's, it, it's in the office. It's everywhere. It's just yeah, the way it, people. It's a natural. It's a sta- natural thing. But mm. there was a, a heavy graduation of people who had moved north that lost their jobs in the car companies and all around. Yeah. And a lot of them have moved moved back down here, and that's that's been one reason for the gains that we've had. Sure. Because, uh, and. Uh, and I, I think that there's some gravitation like that. Now. Yeah, air con- the rise of air conditioning. Seriously, like with more people that now have, I mean, down here, you know, it used to be in the summertime, you couldn't do much. I mean, who would want to uh, move a whole factory operation or, or office park or something uh, down south? You had serious challenges, but with, uh, you know, the, the ease in which then air conditioning could be installed and that sort of thing, it became climate control like that. As a game changer for the Southeast, I think. Yeah, I worked. I believe I, you said you had been or raised in New York. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, bo- I was raised there, uh, born and raised there, and, and left when I was, you know, seventeen. So well, I, I worked for three companies in the city up there, and they had companies down here, and they moved companies also. Yeah. And, and I worked for them, spent a lot of time there, and a lot of time here. And and then we had probably a lot of people down to the south, and we had people that I was working with them. And I was complaining of a lot of the people who moved down here, and but a lot a lot of those people were a long time. They bring their company, and they bring a lot of older people than than you know you grow yourself, and and it's. It's going to be hard to undo this. My, since my son has 
been in this business for, for 42 years. 40 years, yeah, he's retired. <laughs> he uh, he knows the, the ins and outs. and oh, I'm sure. Uh, Daryl, I appreciate your call, sir. Thanks so much. I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't... Um, I don't know how the the businesses that are looking to relocate, I don't know how you look at a city as, you know, in our first hour, Larry Shaheen was talking about transit. You look at a city and that the transit system problems, it's going to get a lot worse. I mean, Raleigh needs to approve whatever the Charlotte City Council wants to do to fund this next wave of spending, which they want to spend more on buses, even though I've got a piece here from John Hood about empty buses don't improve air quality. It's a big problem. And I'm not saying this as a big defender of transit, but but if you've been, you know, pushing transit and this is and look, Democrats everywhere push transit. They're all about them some transit. And if this is your issue, this is no pun intended, a train wreck. This is terrible. This is derailment. This is wheels falling off, whatever you want to say. Not good. Not good. You've alienated people in the legislature. You've alienated uh, local uh, city council members that you're going to need to go up there to talk to the majority party. This is a thing that uh, it always kills me. People in Charlotte, the in the local government, I'm not sure you realize this. Go talk to some of the folks that are in Asheville now. Uh, folks like Deborah Campbell, former assistant city manager. Uh, Kit Kramer, former Charlotte-Mecklenburg school board member. She's a uh, chamber president out in Asheville. Go talk to them. Okay? Because in Asheville... The boards, the county committee, it's all Democrat. All Democrat. They can't get crap from Raleigh. Well, actually, that's all they get from Raleigh. Is that's, that's about it. No, but they, can't, they cannot get anything, any of their priorities. They have a terrible relationship with Raleigh. Because the only people that Asheville and Buncombe County sends to Raleigh are lefties. And they don't get anything done. And they just posture and bomb throw. They have no they, they have no pull. And that's what politics is about, right? Did Ayn Rand teach you nothing? At least in Charlotte, you still have two you got two Charlotte City Council members. Out of you know, eleven members on council and a mayor and the entire county commission, right? You got two. Two Republicans that can actually go up there and talk to some state lawmakers and maybe get you something. Maybe convince somebody up there that something might be good for the city. And you mounted a campaign to get, to get one out. And apparently tried to get Driggs out before. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting strategy. Try to get rid of anybody that could talk with anybody in Raleigh and then something, something, and then we win, I guess. That's the plan? Not a good plan. 